Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Larry's Pop Pod. Uh, my name is Chris Larry and I am joined by my co-host... Amelia Larry. And we'll be taking you through a bunch of the stuff in pop culture that we like, that we think is good for adults and kids, and that Amelia and I and others and special guests that we might have in the future love to talk about, think about, talk about how they make us feel, how they make us think, and why you should be getting into these same things. Why don't you talk a little bit about the kind of things that we're into, Amelia? We are into a lot of music. Graphic novels, comic books, TV shows, and movies. That's the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about, and maybe even a few games in there as well. And we should hope to be doing this maybe, what, about every couple weeks? What do you think? Yes. So our goal is to have a new one every two weeks, and especially getting excited for all the cool things that will come out this spring and summer. So you'll be catching them up on The Larry's Pop Pod. And so we're going to go ahead and get us started here um, with our first topic for our first show, and we call this one Supergirl Season 2, What Happened? So, Supergirl is a show that's in its second season. It's currently on the CW. Uh, what's, what's interesting about the show Supergirl is that it started on CBS Um, and CBS decided to give it to its other TV network, the CW, and do a lot of changes, I think. And um, they changed where it was filmed. They moved it from L.A. to Vancouver. Uh, They changed up the cast a little bit, and I think they changed the show pretty significantly. Amelia, can you tell me a little bit about why it is that we wanted to watch Supergirl in the first place when it started? Well, Supergirl, it had a lot and a lot of action in season one. And the action was exciting, and it was full of surprises. It was literally like you'd start watching this show, and five minutes into it, you'd get a surprise. And it had a lot of cliffhangers. And so another reason I think that we started watching the show is because there just isn't that many superhero shows or movies or even graphic novels to have a strong female character. And so we were really excited that that Supergirl was coming to TV so that we could watch those a, a strong female character. Would you agree? Yes. So as a strong young female, what it was what what was it like to watch Supergirl or is to watch Supergirl on TV? How does it make you feel? It well, it feels like wow. Like, that is amazing. You just feel something like she, like, you, like, in some episodes, they have Superman come in, and they do it together, but I feel like the episodes without him are better. I agree. So, but one thing that we both agree on, or at least we should talk about, is I think season one was a lot better than season two. Definitely. And and I'm not quite sure what has happened In season two. So let's maybe get into that and talk about some theories that we may have. What to you is the biggest difference between season one and season two? So as I said, season one had a lot of surprises. And season two does too. But it just... The surprises aren't as... um, like, they're, they don't feel to like surprises to you. They just feel like, oh, yeah, okay, I kind of saw that coming. And also, 
it's a little repetitive. Oh, really? How so? Supergirl has a problem, and she fixes it. Every episode? Basically. They have cliffhangers for different ones, but that's for the next episode. So I feel like maybe if they try to have a problem and Supergirl can't fix it, and so she can fix half of it, but the D-E-O, D-E-O has to help. Now, now, one thing, though, this season, Jimmy Olsen, that's his character's name, right? Jimmy Olsen is most famous for being a character on, on uh, in the superhero, super, sorry, Superman comics and Superman stories. But in Supergirl, they moved, they had him transfer over to where Supergirl is and working at her paper. But this year, they've made Jimmy Olsen want to be a superhero himself, and I think they call him the Guardian. So hasn't the Guardian helped to solve some of the cr- those crimes? Yeah, but, I mean, like, he never really shows up. I mean, he does, and he kind of helps, but he's a little, I'd say, boring. I have to say, I think Jimmy Olsen being the Guardian is one of the worst things (laughs) about season two. They took a character that was just, was okay. He knew about Supergirl. He knew Superman, so that was kind of part of her secret team, and I liked that. Um, but now he was all like, I want to be a superhero too. Why can't I fight crime? And he has the lamest character. Uh, and yeah, he most often just hurts what's going on and he very rarely helps. He has no superpowers. I think it was easily one of the dumbest things they did to sort of make season season two worst. What do you think? Yeah. And there's another problem. Do you want to say it? No, go for it. Give us what the other problem is. There is too much love. Uh, yeah. What do you mean by that? So, Supergirl used to be on her own, and she was fine that way, and I liked her that way. But now, with all the... I like, I like Alex having a girlfriend. I like that, but Supergirl, I think she could go on her own. And Alex is her her stepsister basically and I like that too I like seeing different kinds of love on TV and I thought that's been very interesting one of my favorite things about season two but not every character has to have a romantic relationship and enough already I feel like we every character in the show basically has a love interest in season two and every week, it's like two or three characters like, oh, am I fighting with my boyfriend? I'm fighting with my girlfriend. Do you love me? I don't know. I love you. It's like enough already. At least half the show is just like a silly romantic comedy drama. And it takes away from the actual Supergirl business. That's, that's right. Or it wraps too much of that emotional lovey-dovey stuff is the heart of the of the story. Like remember when what's her what's Supergirl's boyfriend's name again? Uh I think um I forget. He's from Daxamite. Yeah, he's his parents find him and come back and you're like, you know, enough already. You know, we don't care we want, about your like, love drama. We want a regular TV show of Supergirl. We yes. don't want this all fight parent. bad guys, deal with aliens, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Enough already with the love. The last thing I have to say that really feels like a really big difference to me is the fact that we have no Cat Grant. Yeah. Cat Grant was played by Calista Flockhart, 
And she was basically the editor-in-chief of CatCo, which was a major newspaper and online media empire that Supergirl's alter ego worked at. And so did Jimmy Olsen, and so did a bunch of different characters. Um, what was the other? What's uh, Win. Win, exactly. And so that, that gave the show a real reality-based situation. It was almost like kind of a workplace drama as well as a superhero drama. It really worked. It built off the Superman story where he's a reporter as well. And Calista Flackheart, Flackheart as Cat Grant was amazing. She was funny. She was smart. Um, and the show totally misses that character. Thoughts? Also, like, I feel like for one episode they should bring her back in and say, and, like, she goes over to Kara's apartment and knocks on the door and says, like, I know who you are. Or, like, something surprise. And then she says, like, but I won't tell anyone. I agree. I think we really missed that character. It was a lot of interesting things about whether she was going to find out about Supergirl. Um, and she was kind of always on the case, and it added tension and drama. And it was just much more interesting to be in that in that world of Catco, which we're basically never in that office now. And yeah. it's never about that part of the story. Yeah, and she got fired. Yeah, she doesn't even work there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and now she has no job. So it's like, no one's like, who are you? Are you having like a second life or something? Exactly. All right, so we'll keep watching it, right? Do you think we're going to keep watching it? Yeah. We'll finish season two, and we don't even know if there's going to be a season three yet, so we can't commit to that or not. But, um, oh, one, our out question Supergirl's done a lot of stunts this year, and by stunts I mean they did a whole crossover thing with Arrow and Flash and the other uh, CW, DC Universe TV shows, and they also did a Flash-Supergirl team-up musical. And I think that adds to the love, because the, the guy, he was the music maker that made that... Like, the whole reason he was there is because he found two superheroes that were distressed and didn't have a boyfriend and girlfriend, so he went into their minds. Right. Like, th- that's right. It was so dumb. Like, it was all still about love. So let me, let's ask this. So we want to get off Supergirl topic. Were you in or, or were you out on the Flash Supergirl musical crossover episode? I liked it, but I would only, I would like it more like, 100% if it wasn't the reason that he was there to make love. Was L-O-V-E. Yeah. All right, so you're in. I'll tell you what. I am out (laughs) on the Flash musical crossover. It was stupid. It didn't make any sense. The songs weren't even that good. And I just thought it was one of the worst hours of TV I've watched (laughs) all year. So, as we um, transition here into our next topic, um, probably be a little bit more positive on this one, and that is the Nimona graphic novel. Um, For those of you that don't know what Nimona is, um, and I'll read right from the Wikipedia page so I don't get it wrong, Nimona is a fantasy comic by the American comic writer and artist Noelle Stevenson. Stevenson started Nimona as a webcomic while a student at the Maryland Institute of Art. The webcomic was first published in June of 2012 and doubled as Stevenson's senior thesis. Nimona has been published in the form 
of a graphic novel by HarperCollins in 2015, and 20th Century Fox Animation acquired the rights to create an animated adaption of the webcomic that same year. And so we're really talking about that 2015 graphic novel release, which we have both read. Um, and before we we got this Wikipedia page up so that we could give the actual the the real description of this graphic novel, we didn't even know it was going to be maybe an animated movie, which is, has us very very psyched. Um, so, Nimona, maybe one of the best graphic novels I've read in a long time. And what would you say? I'd say it might be in the top five because I've read some good graphic novels. Okay, so it was that good. It was in your top five. One of the things that I really liked about Nimona was, and we'll talk, we'll get a little deeper into sort of what it was going on and some of the interesting things about it, but it was so emotional. Like, I did not expect to be kind of sad, a little upset, and just kind of feeling a little bit blue after I finished it. How do you think about that? Yeah, it was like... Um, Blackheart, one of the main characters, he and Nimona had a strong friendship. And to feel that friendship, I don't know, it's just somehow changed in the end. That's a good way to say it, yeah, how it did change. Um, what do you think was the main point? What do you think um, Noelle Stevenson was trying to trying to communicate and what, the story to tell. What were some of the main points of Nimona that that you take away? Well, I kind of don't know because it was, like, packed in with everything else that she added into the story. But I think it's about the friendship and how Nimona brought the two friends together. I think that's probably true. Let's discuss some things that we really loved about this graphic novel because we both did. We this is We get high marks on this one. Um, one of the things that I really loved was that it was like kind of a mix of a bunch of different genres. Like it was a little bit like fantasy because there was dragons and knights and swords. It was kind of a lot about science. There was like experiments and crazy scientists and labs. And it kind of had this mix of both science and magic. That was one of the things that I really thought was super interesting. It's like Noelle Stevenson didn't care about the genre. She was just using things that she liked from a bunch of different kinds of stories. So there was like sharks and dragons and laser guns and renaissance fairs and jousting. So that that was I thought was cool that they never explained why the world was that way. They just it just was. What were some of the things that you liked about it? I loved, like, at the beginning of the story, it's kind of, like, action-packed. They're working on, like, Rob's because they're basically, like, good supervillain, which probably doesn't make any sense. But they don't do any bad, really. They just, like, one thing that they did bad was only robbing a bank. But even that, they were doing for good reasons. I think yeah. that was actually one of the main points of the story was that we think some things are evil or bad, but what we think about as good and evil aren't always as obvious as we think, right? That sometimes what's going on behind the stories um, and kind of questioning governments and power and who decides who is good and evil is kind of, to me, one of the main points of the story. What do you think about that? Yeah, and also, I just remembered one thing that I really liked, or that's, like, what the story is really about, and it was that they gave you a lot of flashbacks 
into the these people's lives that you understand more. Like Nimona, she gave you uh went like Blackheart asked her, How'd you get your powers? I thought like when they did the flashback, like, wow, I thought she was born with them. Yeah, they did a lot of flashbacks, especially between Blackheart and his nemesis and how they were used to be best friends and then how they became mortal enemies and, and about their complicated relationship, too. Because Blackheart really had two special friends throughout the entire graphic novel that the that Stevenson really starts to investigate the ideas of, of friendship through these three characters. Um, and friendship, I think. Friendship and... Differences between good and evil and our perceptions of good and evil, I think, were two of the main points of the graphic novel. Now, it had a bit of a weird art style. It, it started as a webcomic, and it, and it was still hand-drawn, um, but it wasn't, like, great art, necessarily. But did you like it? Did you like the art? I actually kind of liked it. I felt like, even though you wouldn't really wear kind of the stuff that they're wearing now or, like, do some of the things. Like, what she put into these drawings and, like, put into their faces, like, the weird chins they have, I think it's all cool. Yeah, I think it really kind of helps the emotional quality of the... Of the of the of the graphic novel because the art's not super detailed really, so it actually makes it communicates the emotions better because they're sort of more obvious. Um, even what she does with I agree with some of the facial expressions, um, it really starts to to translate. I think in some really interesting ways. Um, and so sometimes when I would be reading it, I'd be like, "Oh, this really isn't that great of an of art." But then I really thought it fit the style pretty uh, pretty awesomely. So a couple questions I'd like to ask are one we're not going to we're no spoiler alerts we want you to read Nimona go out and get a copy of Nimona and read it for sure um but so we won't give anything away but do you think that there should be a sequel and do you think the book opens up the possibility for a sequel I think there sh- could be a sequel because I'm not giving any spoilers but at the end it's kind of like what so if they added that, like, little bit more to... It was like a half cliffhanger. So if they added that on... And also I have to add one more thing about Blackheart. He only has one arm. He has a robotic arm that his best friend cut off. Right. There's a lot of complicated stuff going on in terms of these people's relationships. Um, I would definitely read a sequel. I'd be excited. I think they did leave room for a sequel, so we will see. It was extremely popular. It won all kinds of awards and was a New York Times bestseller. So um, it was nominated for the Harvey Award for Best Online Comic. Um, It did win Best Web Comic um, at Slate. So... I think there's definitely appetite in the public for a sequel, but I also think it would be okay if it ends the way it ends. I think one of the things that kind of made it emotional and interesting was that it ends in such of a kind of not really a conclusion. It really makes you think. Yeah, it's like what happened to her, you know? Right. Now, another thing which we just learned mere minutes before we started this podcast was the idea of an animated movie, of which I am like, what? That would be awesome. Like, seeing all of this and hearing it, 
would make you probably like understand a little bit more and be like, wow, I didn't think that was real, you know? I would be all in. So at a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being most excited, what would be your excitement number for a Nimona animated movie? I would probably, if I could go over 10, I'd say 10 and a half. <laughs> okay, you can't, so we'll say 10. But I will join you on 10 Island. I would be crazy, crazy excited for, um, I would be a 10 excitement scale for a Nimona movie. And the last thing that I would say I really liked about it um, that kind of connects to me a little bit to Supergirl was just how awesome and cool the female protagonist was. And she was different, right? She had her own look. She didn't. She wasn't all like blonde hair and like super like glammed out. There was no real romantic stuff that ever came up. So I thought it was a really kind of Nimona herself was a really cool, different kind of female um, superhero. And I'm going to call her a superhero, even though theoretically in the book she's a supervillain. I also think like these. She's like the only girl. In the main character, like of this story, the and I don't know, it just like I love this. Like it shows a lot of things. A girl hanging out with a boy, not really love, but doing it together, fighting. Not really fighting, but doing what they're doing. Yeah, sometimes fighting. And remember, the director was a woman, too, that yeah. ended up being the real bad guy. In So it was a real good balance of female and male characters. So we're going to change direction a little bit for our third and final deep dive topic, and that is a card game that we have really been loving for the last couple of months called Gubs. And I'll give you a little bit of what Gubs is. Um... Gubs, as they describe, is a game of wit and luck that invites you to partake in the secret struggle of the Gubs. Each player competes to build the largest, strongest colony by the time the three dreaded letter cards emerge from the deck. So Gubs is your kind of standard card game, um, you know, that has different characters or different events or different things. And basically you play the game by doing whatever it is that the cards tell you to do which is actually one of the great things about the games it really takes i don't know two or three minutes to learn how to play because most of the gameplay is actually being described to you on the card and also it's not that complicated you don't have to be oh darn it i messed up the rule but one thing we did when we started this game we picked up our card last to end our turn i personally think that's a better way of doing it but the real way you play is to pick up um, the card to start your turn. Yeah, we did kind of we misinterpreted a key piece of the rules. Although I, I think I agree with you. I think I like our hack on the on the rules a little bit better. Why do you think Gubs was an instant hit in our family and with some of our friends? Well, I think it's just like it's like exciting, and you have to get your whole army. And like, if you pick up a card, you're like, no. And also, there's like. These hazards in it, which I won't give away too much, but it's like once you pick up the card, it's like like if you have so many gubs, are, which are the little creatures, and then it's just like all 
Gubs go into the discard pile. It's like, what? I worked on that. So it's like full of surprises and excitement. It is fast paced. That's one of the things I like about it. It's like you think, oh, I'm winning or I'm doing well. That could all change by the time someone else plays a card. It's very fast paced. It's also funny. Like, you know, what is Gubs? Well, Cubs, which we noticed after we played, is actually bugs spelled backwards. (laughs) So, Gubs are these little yellow creatures. They look like crickets or grasshoppers, kind of. Yeah. And the art is great. I love the art on the cards. Um, It's funny. The game has a sense of humor. Um, And you can play, like, even a couple hands, even, like, in an hour. So it does go fast. One thing I'd like to talk about, which I think is actually the biggest innovation of the game to me. Um, oh, and we should mention that that Gubs is made by the company who does a bunch of other good games called Game Right, um, and they really do make smart games. They have a lot of the other card games like this, and they're really doing games that, that help you think and um, and really are they mix fun and critical thinking. If we want to get all educational about it, but the big innovation in Gubs in particular is this idea that the game can end at any time. Do you want to explain how that works? So. There are three cards that are G, U, and B. Once you pull from the whole deck, G, U, and B, even if you're not done with the deck, the game is over. So you kind of get this feeling the game could be over very fast, and then it get, it ups the tension in the game when the G, when any of the letters get pulled. So sometimes when you're playing and two of the three letters are out there, you know the next card can stop the game. So you, and you win the game by having the most gubs on your team. Um, so you really are always having to think like, how do I play gubs? Which brings us to my maybe last point about how much we love this game and also kind of connects to how we sort of hack some of the rules ourselves um because we love the game so much so did we write a song or have a little tune that we make up when you play your gub cards um so if you get a gub and it's your turn and you play the gub you have to say gubby gub 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 gubby gub 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 so yeah it's and if you want to barcode it, you can go. I don't know. What's that one? Because um, you can protect your gub. So I don't know. Basically, we just started doing anything to bubby bub bub bub. And so it's really fun. And all of our friends that started playing the game, they love the song. And so you actually, when you play certain cards, we have all these different tunes and songs that you play, which just adds a fun, a fun piece of the game. And it shows you how much we love playing it, and our friends love playing it too, that we have all these little customs and hacks and traditions that we came up uh, while we play the game. Gubby gub gub gubs. Gubby gub gub gub. All right, so we're about wrapping up in our very first episode of the Larry's Pop Pod. But I did want to say a little bit of a sneak preview of what we might be excited to talk about on future episodes. Um, So maybe I'll start off and then you can go next. Literally just today, uh, I had Amelia watch Guardians of the Galaxy 1, which did you like it? I loved it. So we did that because we wanted to be prepared for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And we're very excited about Baby Groot. So I I guess I'm excited in the future for us to do our review of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when we go see it in the theater. So that's what I'm looking forward to and excited to talk about on future episodes of the Larry's Pop Pod. Amelia Larry? 
I am excited for, which, a little spoiler alert, we are going to have a special guest. And on that um, episode, we are going to have, we are going to do one on Survivor. And to be specific, I like the final is coming up. So I definitely want to watch that to see who wins the $1 million. So should we have a discussion and a special guest about Survivor before we know the winner and predict? Or should we talk about it after we know everything? I think maybe we should predict now. Now? I'm not prepared. Okay. So maybe we'll talk about Survivor with our special guest after the final episode so we can know who won. Yes. All right. So you thank you for listening and joining with us on our first episode of... The Larry's Pop Pod. And we will be doing, as we said earlier, about one of these every two weeks. We're going to stay on that schedule. Um, we still got to get a bit of our social media game and a bunch of how you can listen to this going. So it'll take us a little while to get our empire up and running. But for now, if you have any feedback for, for us, you can tweet at... Chris Larry 33 on Twitter. Um, and you could even email us at chrislarry33 at gmail.com if you've got any feedback or thoughts about the show. Um, did you have fun, Amelia? I love this. All right. So we will be out there experiencing the world of pop culture, the two of us, and bring back other exciting topics for in the future. So, Let us sign off from our first episode. I'm Chris Larry. I'm Amelia Larry. And see you next time on... The Larry's Pop Pod. Bye-bye.